A great teacher's legacy is never confined merely to texts or rules. A great teacher challenges us to look at the world differently, to see everything in it that needs healing, and to rise up to the role that we ourselves have to play in repairing all that is broken. My name is Leah Leibowitz, and the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson, is the teacher I look to whenever I feel a pang of despair. And I'm not alone. Last year, a few of our finest thinkers, writers, and activists got together to reflect on how the Rebbe's teachings continue to give us, to paraphrase a wonderful book on the subject, a social vision, a Jewish vision for a more perfect society working to mend the many rifts we've caused over time. In coming episodes, you'll hear about ethics and the economy, about religion and the environment, about spirituality and social justice. But first, a candid look at race and racism with Dr. Kathy Humphrey, who served as the University of Pittsburgh's Senior Vice Chancellor for Engagement and Secretary of the Board of Trustees. And so let me ask you the question that I think so many of us have been asking ourselves for quite a while, but especially since, since this summer, not only what does it mean to stand with those demanding justice, but, but also what should it mean? In other words, what does this concept of allyship look like? If you could share your definition of what being a good ally might be like. I think it's very difficult to stand with someone if you don't really know them. And I think the first step that everybody has to take on all sides of this equation all sites, and I see all of us a part of the equation, is that first we have to get in relationship with. Because, Leo, it is the relationship that makes me human. Because otherwise, I'm just a Black woman. I'm just an African-American woman, right? Walking down the street, carrying the load of all the stereotypical information that is typically assigned to me upon site, right? And you know what that's like as a member of the Jewish community. You know what it's like to hold the bag of stereotypes, right? And so the reality for me is true allyship starts with more than what you say, but what you do. And the first step of that is I get to know you. I get to know you at a different kind of level, at a level where we feel not only at the point of acknowledgement, but we have a connection. We have a understanding to the point where I am able to speak on your behalf. I am able to unpack the stereotypes that come across my path about you, and I am able to help the person who is using them to operate to rethink their position. That's real allyship. When I can create a different and real human connection that helps you understand that what you think is true is not, or what needs to happen, I have the urgency behind it because you are now a part of me. It's different. And I don't care all the other little things that you'll talk about that you want to do and that you want to say. The bottom line, the foundation of allyship is that ship, that relationship, right? If you don't get on that ship of relationship, you can't be a real ally. 
You can't understand, you can't know until you have sat and talked with me, until you understand from my perspective, until I understand from your perspective. I'll give you an example. So the Weinsteins, who you know, I am very connected to them. They've reached out to me and I have reached back to them. And I feel like they are a part of me. And because of that, when I hear somebody say something that I think is crazy about Hasidic Jews, I'm the first one to speak up. They're not there because guess what? People are not going to say those crazy things in front of them, right? But they will me. And so I have the obligation to unpack the stereotype and try to help bring them to another place so that they really get to know people who I feel connected to. If they were just people who ran the Chabad house in Pittsburgh, I would not run to their rescue, but they are not. They are people that I care about. And because I care about them, I am not going to allow certain things to happen in my space, in my place. I am courageous enough. I'm bold enough to stand up on their behalf. And that's what I need. And that's what I mean when you stand with me, that's that you're bold enough that you will stand in place of me. Amen, Salah, to that. You know, this this inspires me to kind of digress a little bit. So we're here under the auspices of this wonderful book, Social Vision, which really is as a kind of a wonderfully radical reimagination of of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And there's there's a little a tidbit in the book that I thought about as I as I listened to you speak, in which it's a speech or a teaching that the Rebbe gave, I believe, in 1981, which he said, look, it's no coincidence that the first letter in the Bible is the letter bet, because it's also the first letter of the word bracha or blessing. And if you think that giving a blessing is just God's job or just a rabbi or, or a priest or a pastor's job, you're wrong. It is our job to bless one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is our job to care for one another. It's our job to complete one another. And, and this is very much the vibe that I got from you. But but I, I want to kind of be a little bit difficult here and say, here we are at this very divisive and divided moment in our nation. And it seems that everyone has a really easy time seeing themselves as a member of this tribe or that tribe, this camp or that camp, this party or that party. And for some reason, a really difficult time seeing themselves exactly like you said, no, it's the relationship between humans, between people, the connection that is immediate. So as an educator, how do we make that happen? How do we get people to see people, to to connect and, and bless each other? Everything that has happened, especially this summer that has erupted the resurgence or the existence of the racial pandemic, has helped us to see that our human connection has been disconnected. Certain things just cannot happen if you really see the humanity in all of us and that the humanity supersedes my pigment, the groups that I belong to, my ethnic connections, my cultural connections, but my humanity is what makes you and me relatives, right? And somewhere that has been lost. I'm not sure it's been lost. I'm not sure we ever created it. You know, if you think about how this country came into being, you know, every time I would hear that slogan, make America great again, I would think, So when was that? 
because when was that has a lot to do with where I am in that equation, right? right? And what I what what people who look like me were were doing, and that's a little frightful, right? When we hear that, but I think it happens one person at a time. I don't want to be pessimistic, but I really think it has to do with children. You know, I love that there is a poster with a little black boy and a little white boy, and they are hugging. And on the poster, it says, nobody's born a bigot. They have to go through this, what we call a cycle of oppression. They're born. And then after they're born, what happens is they get socialized. And that socialization process begins to tell you who you love and who you don't love, who you value and who you don't value. And you pick that up where from everywhere, from the media, from magazines, from books, from what you don't see and what you do see, you pick up who is valuable. And we have reduced humans to being valuable and not valuable. And it happens so early in life with the children till we move to people who we trust, who solidify that stereotype, who solidify that socialization to say, yes, this is right. Yes, that is wrong. And not, not by what they necessarily say, how they act, how they act. So for example, I always notice when I go to an event that I'm the only African-American there. And I think, hmm, what's this say? What does it say that I'm the only African-American at this event, right? How can that be? And that is teaching children what to value and what not to value, just in who shows up at your house for dinner and who doesn't show up to your house, who you're connected to and who you're not connected to. These are all lessons that we're teaching our children. If we really want to get take care of this, we'll start at, at one, who we allow, who we don't allow to be connected to us, to be in our presence, to be worthy of our care, to be worthy of our love. 